What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Ebb and Flow podcast. It's your boy, ex-NFLer turned yogi, Eben Britton. I hope this finds you standing in your highest greatness for the greatest good of the universe, because we need you. Today's episode of the Ebb and Flow is a fun one. It brought me right back to my childhood. It's with former lead solo pilot of the Blue Angels, John Gucci Foley. This is a epic conversation on the power of visualization, high performance in the face of death. How do we cultivate being as sharp as a razor when there's chaos flying around us when you're in the midst of a 20,000 pound jet flying through the atmosphere at 500 miles an hour and keep your crystallized focus. It's powerful stuff. One one thing, I don't know how I forgot to ask John about this, um, but I forgot to ask him if he'd ever come into contact with any UFOs. John is a lifer Navy uh, jet fighter pilot. Uh, the Blue Angels. I remember going to see the Blue Angels at, at Coney Island when I was about eight or nine years old and being in complete awe and inspired. And his new book, Fearless Success, which I also recommend, there'll be a, uh, a link to that in the show notes. He talks about his journey into being a, a, a fighter pilot the tools he used to find great success. I mean, what these guys do is absolutely mind-blowing. So you guys, are, this is a lot of fun, this conversation. It's interesting how we end up tapping into the fundamental principles of meditation and visualization and how those bring about success in every every aspect of life, whether it's business, family, relationships, etc. Whatever you're looking to succeed in, the path through is letting go of the bullshit, getting out of the mind, into the heart, letting this magnificent mind-body vehicle do the thing it was built to do once you've put in the preparation. So I think you will enjoy it. Once again, this episode of The Ebb and Flow is brought to you by my family over at Buy Optimizers. Buy Optimizers. Guys, some of the most state-of-the-art supplements I've ever come across in particular. Are you having trouble sleeping? Are you like me? Have you spent your lifetime, yeah, maybe you get good night's sleep, but you're up constantly, going to the bathroom, God's calling, whatever it might be, anxieties of the days to come, old memories come flowing back into the consciousness in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, the witching hour which I seem to be awake at all the time. Magnesium breakthrough is the way to better sleep. Magnesium is a super powerful mineral, very important, vitally important. It's involved in over 200 processes in the human body. Sleep and recovery are paramount. Magnesium helps tone the nervous system into that parasympathetic state, that rest and digest state. And it helps to 
bring the bring the vibration down out of that fight or flight sensation that we're all in a constant low hum of here in the western world ironically even though we have every single comfort and pleasure at our fingertips so magnesium breakthrough better night's sleep sleep is the fundamental pillar of better health better cognitive function better immune system function, better digestive health. It all starts with sleep. You got to get recovered. You got to let your body heal and do its thing in the middle of the night when that's when it's, it's doing all the recovering. So I highly recommend it. There's a link in the show notes. Go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash ebb and flow. Follow the prompts. Get 10% off your next order of it. I highly recommend it. Lots of love to you guys. I'll see y'all on the flip side. Enjoy. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination. Your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. John Gucci Foley. Welcome to the Ebb and Flow podcast, my brother. It's excellent to have you here today. I've been glad to be here. And that's something that I, I hope will come across in this podcast. It's a deep meaning to me. Uh, and I'm very grateful to be on your show. You're, you're rocking it, man. That's so awesome. I have to say, John, um, I've been reading your book, Fearless Success. It's awesome. Uh, but I have to say that the glad to be here ethos is so powerful to me just the i mean i'm a yogi i'm a meditator i'm an ex-nfl football player um and that that four-letter phrase is so powerful because it's calming it's centering it says so much um and there's an energy to it man and and maybe that's where we should start i mean i have so much i want to talk to you about but i think that is so powerful yeah, I, I appreciate that. You know, it's it's really the essence of my life now. And it was something that I actually first got exposed to when I was on the Blue Angels, because that's actually, we used to say we would end our debriefs, and uh, we can go into all this in detail, with the, the comment of glad to be here. You know, and some days, Evan, I mean, it meant <laughs> you were just glad to be alive, okay? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've had those days, right? But that's not what it means really it, it takes on a whole different vibe a whole different essence uh, for me it's about the you know appreciation and gratitude and uh, living a life uh, of purpose and uh, and helping others so for me yeah it's it's my mantra it's my brand and uh, it, it's uh, it's what I uh, what I live for every single day mm. it's so powerful man um, and it really resonates with me I was telling you before I hit record here that I was so stoked when your point man, Greg, hit me up about 
getting you on my podcast and coming on your podcast and talking about you being the lead solo pilot for the Blue Angels. And I thought immediately, I thought to myself, man, when I was a little kid, I remember watching the Blue Angels air shows at Coney Island in New York City in Brooklyn and uh, how impactful it was for me. And I even had a little stint in my in my growing up where i wanted to be an air force pilot i know you guys are navy um but uh it was you know you talk about it in your book and i hadn't thought about it in a long time but the blue angels are ambassadors of free will of inspiration of heroism of courage um, and that's, that comes through in such a profound way when you watch a blue angels air show. And I know your dream to be a blue angel or to fly F-18 fighter jets yeah. that was sparked in you when you were a little kid as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was listening to some of your past podcasts and, and I, I heard about, you know, when you were eight years old, wanting to be a, a football player, right? Pro football player. And your mom's saying, Hey, you know, you're going to get hurt and, yeah. and waiting till yeah. you, your freshman year. I get that. Uh, I kind of had a similar uh, upbringing, but for me, it was flying. You know, my dad was in the military and, uh, you know, when you think of, he was an army officer and my, my grandpa lived in and grandma lived in Brooklyn. So oh I, I know God. Coney Island well. And in fact, here, here's the story, man. I remember as a little kid visiting my grandparents, my dad takes me to Coney Island and I left my little doggy on the beach by mistake. I don't mean a live dog. I mean a little stuffed animal, right? And I get home and I'm a little kid, man, and I'm crying, right? And I'm telling my dad, I said, dad, man, I I left my doggy. My dad got us on the subway. He knew we'd never find it, but we went back there, spent hours looking for it and, you know, uh, (laughs) never found it. But it really, it, it taught me something about my dad. I think back to it, you know, he was my hero. You know, and I loved my dad. Uh, and uh, he took me to an air show when I was 12 years old. And to this day, Evan, I'll never forget it. You know how when you, you feel something in your heart, mm. not just your head? I looked up in that sky, man, and I saw these six magnificent blue jets. It happened to be the Blue Angels. And I remember turning to my dad and going, Dad, I'm going to do that. And I thought this was really unique about that feeling, Evan, was it wasn't in my head. I mean, I could I could smell it, right? You could feel the, the, the smoke oil in the air. You could feel that energy. And as you were talking about it, when you got to experience it, it's an experience, right? It's yeah. visceral. And I just said, that's what I want to do. Now, it took a long time, lots of uh, obstacles and all that stuff. We can get into it. But, um, you know, it was fortunate one day to actually strap in that cockpit. And, uh, great experience. Oh Great my life. God, man. Oh my God. It's so powerful. I could feel it reading the book. It's bringing me back, man. You could feel the energy coming through the book. It's amazing. Ah, uh, thank you. Um, thank you on that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, hey, here's a real quick one. When you mentioned earlier about wanting to be an Air Force pilot, so did I. I thought, you know, I wanted to be an Air Force yes. pilot because you think Jets, Air Force, right? Yes. And, uh, and then I got I got rejected medically and all that that stuff, and eventually had to uh, overcome that. But I eventually uh, flew for the Blues, and it turned out to be a good thing because you know I, I had applied to the wrong team. I mean, I, the right. Blues and the Thunderbirds. It's like playing for the Jags or the Bears. Right, you know, right. uh, you got to know which team you're on at that moment. But yeah, and you know, you mentioned another point that I think is really critical is the Blue Angels are really not about flying. You know, that's just 
the the mode yeah. that we uh, what we're really about is ambassadors of goodwill yes. and making a difference in people's lives. And and I used to sign autographs when I got that rare privilege going to crowd line. Uh, reach for your dreams, mm. you know, because it's all about the kids. It's all about hopes and dreams. So I'm glad you pulled that out, dude. That was so powerful to me when you. Cause I didn't know the history behind it. You know, I, I, yeah. I was so, it was so awe inspiring. It was so powerful to see that as a little kid. I mean, I remember it to this day, you know, um, yeah. and, and, and thinking back and reading your book and coming into contact with you, you know, it's all meant to be, it's all cosmic. And, I that. you know, I was thinking about what a what a really truly profound impact those air shows had on me and my mentality even though I didn't end up becoming a fighter pilot which I don't know if are there any 66 fighter pilots out there <laughs> uh, yes, but you're you're pushing the limit. And here's what's interesting: it's not how tall you are, it's actually what your seating height is. Mm. So they measure, you know, your spine. Uh -huh. And uh You'll love this story. So one of my buddies, he wasn't 6'6", six, six, he's about 6'4", and we were flying A7s uh, initially. And that's, a, that's an older jet that you have to pull the canopy down, oh. you know? And he used to, his head used to hit the, the canopy. And here's the deal, in an A7, if you eject, you actually go through the canopy. Holy you know, in an F-14 and F-18, when you pull the handle, the canopy goes first, and then you go up these rails on a rocket, right? But in the A-7, you go through the canopy. And, and there's actually these things called canopy breakers, which sound like, you know, oh, that's gonna be pretty something pretty solid. When I finally looked up there and looked, it's something about the size of my knuckle. I'm not kidding you. And and all it does is it goes through and it shatters the canopy. Well, well, my buddy's head is above the canopy breakers, right? Now, so he doesn't want to get he doesn't want to get grounded, so he doesn't tell anybody. And then finally, after all the all the, you know, after he's uh, you know, got his wings and he's gonna be okay, he goes up to the flight surgeon. He goes, Hey doc, you know, I, I got a problem. You know, the the canopy, my head's above the canopy breakers. And the doc looks at him he goes hey jethro because we all get call signs right his, his, his call sign was jethro he goes hey jethro don't worry about it when you pull that ejection handle your spine's going to compress about three inches so <laughs> you'll be fine <laughs> oh my god thanks thanks doc uh, exactly is that good news yeah what <laughs> oh my god that's insane yeah, I have a pretty long torso, so I don't know if I would have made it. Um, but, you know, <laughs> but even even so, like, it was so inspiring for me just to, in understanding what is possible as a human being. Yeah. You know, what is possible? And that's so powerful, especially in this day and age. You know, people are really with the uh, hyper, e exponentially quickening pace of, technology and social media and business and emails and and the and the condensing of the distance between people around the globe you know people are really in need of understanding what's truly possible you know and that yeah. that whole idea of impossible is nothing is true i believe and i've seen it with myself you know yeah um and i i feel like the blue angels really without even realizing it instilled that understanding in me way back when watching you guys do these death defying stunts in the air it's it's miraculous um so john getting into your story 
I loved I so talk about the difference between the Air Force and the Navy. And cuz I yeah, know yeah. I know that you know reading your book it was really it was really fascinating to get the clarity on whoa dude the Navy pilots are the guys who are doing the really intense shit i mean you're the landing on the aircraft carriers the moving you know targets it's 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 mind-blowing what you guys are able to do and how you're able to do it you know and and you talk about it a lot the elite level people in the world there's a formula to how you create that type of success you know and that sounds sort of that can sound sort of oversimplified and it is because it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of discipline and a lot of preparation um and you go into all that but i guess let's go into your story man how did the dream start and you talked you touched on it a little bit you applied to the air force you got you got declined because you uh, it was a medical decline and what was that all about Well, let me let me answer a couple of questions. First off, with the Air Force versus Navy, it's kind of like, you know, who's better, the, the Jags right, or the Bears, right? right? I mean, <laughs> it, it's really, uh, it really doesn't matter. I mean, here's what's kind of cool, uh, especially on the demo teams. The, the Air Force is called the Thunderbirds. The Blues are called the Blue Angels. Mm-hmm. It's very similar, okay? You got six jets. The Air Force flies F-16s. The Navy flies F-18s. In fact, we just switched to the Super Hornet this Mm. year, right? Um, So same number of pilots, same number of support personnel, same mission, which is to go out there and inspire greatness, you know, and professionalism. So it very much is like, you know, a sports Mm. team. I mean, it really is. Now, they're slightly different in their structure as as far as uh, uh, culture. You know, the Air Force uh, typically is more top-down, very control-oriented. We like to joke around in the Navy. uh, In the Air Force, you'll get a book about this thick that tells you everything you can do, you know, in the airplane and and all this. And the Navy gives you a book that's about this thin, and it just tells you what you can't do. And the rest rest is up to judgment, which uh, isn't isn't a perfect analogy, but uh, it's it's a right, joke because right. the the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds, uh, you know, we're actually very very tight. Uh, we mm. actually train with each other. We bring each other's. We go to each other's uh, site for about a week. Uh, we get to sit in on the briefs and the debriefs. They get to see how we do it. Uh, we get to see how they do it. But at the end of the day, heck yeah, you want to beat them. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the of show. Course. Yeah, yeah, that's the show. But. Um, yeah, so uh, it's good. I uh, I actually applied to the Air Force just because I thought that's where you know the the jets would be. And it turns out the Navy's got more fighter jets than the Air mm. Force, and we land on aircraft carriers. And let me tell you, uh, we can talk about that if you want. But landing a, a twenty-two ton jet on the pitching deck of an aircraft carrier, and then you th- at night, yeah. oh, Evan, God. at night scares the living shit out of you. I mean. It's it's a it's it's the one place uh, you know I, I know your your podcast I can say this kind of stuff uh, I appreciate is uh, we joke around you know what are some of the three greatest feelings or, or, or strongest feelings in your life you know one of course having an orgasm <laughs> two is uh, is is when you have to have a beer piss right and uh, and three is when you're scared shitless uh, and flying a jet on an aircraft carrier at night, you could have all three feelings at the same oh time. Oh my God, man. I, can, I can't even imagine. We'll talk about that, John. Not to, I, I mean, there's yeah. so much good in here, man. And I think that it's profound to think about 
you know, a layman, someone who's never been in a jet, they think, I mean, first of all, that's terrifying. Just the thought of being in a, in a vehicle traveling at 500 plus miles an hour, you know, flying at, you know, insane heights, etc. But they might not realize that as a fighter pilot, you're experiencing all of the human stuff. You're experiencing the fear yeah. and the, you know, you're experiencing yeah. all the anxiety, whatever it is that's moving through you when you're trying to land a, a 22,000 ton plane on a, on, on an aircraft carrier, um, 22,000 pound plane, right? Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. 22, 22 tons. tons. And you figure, you, you, yeah. So times two, 44,000. And that, 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 um, you know, 2000 pounds per ton. But what the difference is, it depends on your ordinance mm, too. You know, when right. you're carrying an ordinance on and off, but yeah, that's, it's, let me tell you, uh, it's interesting. It's, it's, I mean, you know, when you first jump into those jets and you don't start with the big fighters, right. right? You start with small prop planes, you know, you work your way up like in football mm. or anything. Right. Um, but when you first climb into that jet, it is so powerful and it's this big piece of machinery. Right. I mean, uh, and, and you feel it actually feels a little bit like a foreign object, mm -hmm. honestly, because, you know, you, you're right. You're still a human, man. You got, you're, you're scared. You, the biggest thing you don't want to do is screw up. That was my yeah, biggest thing. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to screw the pooch, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, you just want to do your job. Uh, I never was worried about, about dying. I never was worried about mm. myself, but I definitely didn't want to hurt somebody else. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to cause, especially in the Blue Angels, I didn't want to cause something that, that hurt other people. Right. And so the key was, uh, just that building that confidence, uh, practice, you know, you know, there, there's actually is, is a way to do it, but it's, it's a mindset first. I guess the biggest thing is, is it's overcoming this and then the processes kick in. Right? Mm. So how do you go about overcoming the stuff that's moving through you? You know, as a, what are the, what's going on when you're highly trained? What are the mechanisms by which you're settling yourself down or moving through that fear or dealing with the anxiety or dealing with the uncertainty of whatever it is, it's pitch blackout, the ocean, the aircraft carrier, the plane, the planes around you, et cetera. And how do you, yeah. what is, what are, what's the process by which, and maybe it's a lot of stuff that happens beforehand. But what's the process yeah, by exactly. which you handle all of that? Yeah. So to, to build up to it, I mean, I'll give you my routine, you know, and has a lot to do with visualization, has a lot to do with preparation, but it's, it's like anything in life. You know, it's definitely like uh, sports. It's definitely like in really business, anything in life. Uh, you you got to be prepared. Uh, you got to get focused. Uh, and you also got to practice. You got to get some reps in. So it's, it's a process, right? I mean, the first time as you're starting, Everything is just emergency procedures and, you know, it's, it's, it's foreign, you know, stick and throttle and all this. And then as you do it more, you actually become, I would even say mm. one with the airplane. You know, it's, it's kind of like riding a bike, you know, great analogy, driving a car, you know, the first time you tried it, man, there's a lot going on. And then, then you get to this state and, and it's really, it's an interesting state. Uh, it has a lot to do with now, you know, I know you do meditation. I do meditation. I've got a yoga practice. You got a yoga practice. It's really a lot about mm. centering. Yes. How do you center your mind? How do you block out distractions yep. and, uh, you know, the noise and some of these distractions, 
are definitely fear, you know, yeah. but I believe fear is coming at us, not from us. So, mm. or actually uh, just the other way around, it feels like it's coming at us. And in reality, it's, it's all here, mm. yes. right? Yes. So, you know, the world is not coming at us. The world's coming from us, mm. in my opinion. I love right? that. And yeah. that's a huge point. Yeah. And once you grasp that, you go, okay, well, wait a minute, what is causing the fear? And, uh, and you start to, uh, you start to deal with it, but to answer your question, and I, you know, we can we can go back and forth on this. Um, you get to a point where it's it's a mind game. It's no longer uh, how do I fly the jet. It's uh, it's getting to the point where it's the preparation. We did a, a, a incredible visualization exercise. I had mental practices that I would go through right before I got launched on the aircraft carrier. I would go through worst case scenarios. What if I had an engine failure going off the cat? I would, I would just trigger my brain. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, there's this confidence that comes. And I remember doing test hops off the carrier. And uh, I said, well, number one, I believe in my training. I believe in my team. You know, I've done this. And, um, you know, rarely is the jet just blow up. Usually there's a sequence of events, right? Yeah. So usually there's some control or some things in there. Uh -huh. And at the end of the day, I said, you know what? Even if I've experienced something I've never experienced before in my life, I'll figure it out. Mm. You know, I'll figure it out airborne. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how you have to look at it, right? You can't be, yeah. you can't, I mean, as a football player, it resonates with me as a lot as a football player, you know. You get your bell rung, something happens, you tweak yep. a muscle, whatever it might be, a play totally breaks down, a guy gets by you. It's like there's no time to really think about it. It's just do do the intuitive next step based on the training that you've spent your whole life doing and preparing yourself yep. and and programming this vehicle to do. Well, you know, that just makes me think of a, of a point we had when I was coming in on the carrier and I, I was a nugget. So a nugget's like a rookie in the NFL, uh -huh, right? Uh -huh. So it's my first year. <laughs> um, I'm out there. And, uh, and, and normally, you know, it takes some experience. You know, you know, in life, experience matters, right? Oh, yeah. So I'm kind of flailing. And then all of a sudden, I, uh, I started, to, uh, started to figure it out, right? And, um, and I remember coming down the chute one night and it was night, you know, nighttime is scary, but when there's no moon, it's even worse. Mm. Uh, so we would call those the black ass nights, you know, <laughs> and, and when you're coming down, you can't even tell where the water and the sky is there. Oh. There's no horizon. Right. Wow. And the ship looks like this little dot out there. We used to, uh, the way I can explain it is a night carrier landing is like diving down an elevator head first and trying to lick a postage stamp. <laughs> I mean, that's what it feels like. That's I, so insane. I'm not kidding you, man. You're coming down the chute. There's, there's no, and, and then, and then you throw bad weather in there. I mean, now, now, now you, and then, then you get low on fuel. And I'm talking about the pucker faster factor. Oh, Your yeah. butthole's about this tight, right? Cause you're coming down and you're just like going, holy crap. And then I realized that this was the, this was the aha moment. It took me about, oh, I'd say 50 night carrier landings to figure this out is that the airplane doesn't know it's dark. The airplane doesn't know it's a pitching deck. The airplane doesn't know you're low on fuel. That's all in here. Uh -huh. That's just my head. All I have to do is do what I'm trained to do. Mm. And, and once I figured that out, 
you can really block out a lot of these, um, I call them distractions, you know, things yes. that are, that are, that are distracting and just focus in on what you're doing. And then, uh, and be razor focused though. That's the key. You got to be mentally prepared. That's why I think, you know, all the stuff you like to talk about, the, the, the meditations, the visualizations, the breath work. I was never taught that right. before I was flying, but now that I do that, that's part of my practice. I realized that I was naturally doing that. Uh -huh. That's how powerful it is. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Is that a part of the, of the preparation? with the blue angels or with any fighter pilots are they doing meditation i've listened to um some podcasts with you know uh jocko willink mm -hmm. um yeah of course and uh, i've listened to his podcast and he had this tremendous episode about this vietnam fighter pilot who was actually a, a pow who crashed and he was talking about Part of the, the thing that struck me in that episode was him talking about their preparation before this flight they went on. And yep. he was talking about they did their final meditation. And I thought, man, that's so interesting. I wonder if that's a part of these elite military units training. Well, the word I would use is visualization. Uh-huh, uh, okay. That's what we used in the military. We and, yeah. and we did it in the Blue Angels. And I, you know, I've got video of, of me on the blues and what we call our briefing room. Just think about pregame, you know, yeah. uh, you're inside the locker room. All right. And, and part of this process that we would go through is in, in any fighter squadron, there's, there's a brief, you know, it's a military brief and it's very standard. I mean, basically what's the mission objectives, what's the admin we need to get, you know, where's the safety things, how are we going to meet up all this kind of stuff. And that's, that's what it's normally like, right? So they mm. do teach you that. But in the Blue Angels, which is unique, and it's the only place where I saw it uh, in the military, I think some of the SEALs do this too, we would actually break into a team visualization process. Mm. And there's video of me and my and my teammates. Some guys close their eyes, some guys don't. It's not it's not like you're not sitting cross-legged meditating, right? Right. You're right. actually you're in the chair, right? You're in the chair and you uh and we even some people call it chair flying, but you actually are going through the sequence of events. Now, here's what's really cool is the boss on the Blue Angels is is reciting the cadence at the exact cadence, the exact words. And so what I get to do is I'm visualizing not only where I'm supposed to be, but I know what the G-force feels like. I can feel the G's coming on. I can feel if I'm a little bit flat, you know, going high. We used to fly the aircraft within a three-inch circle on yeah. another airplane, upside down, you know, and uh, uh, and that's the kind of stuff that you, you can definitely prepare yourself mentally, and you get into such a state that the game's easy. I mean, the, you just mm. go out there and do it. Yeah. In in uh, I, it really made sense to me when you liken that in the book to uh, a football walkthrough. Yeah. Or for me, even even beyond that, you know, because we would walk through all the plays. We walked every day. There was a walkthrough before yeah. practice. There was a walkthrough at the hotel the night before the game, the day of the game. All the, we, I mean, constantly walking through. But we also did a version of our chair flying where we'd go through the first 15, where we mapped out the first 15 plays of the game. Yeah. Coach would call them out 
And all of us would sit there in our position groups and we just visualize what we were doing. For us, it was what, what blocking, you know, what blocking techniques are we using here on this play? What does that look like? What's the guy going to do if he does this? Visualizing all of that. And, you know, I didn't really meditate either as a football player. And I, it, it makes complete sense to me what you just said about, you know, now in your life post your flying career, getting into meditation and yoga and learning that you, you had this real life, uh, experience and application of these, of what meditation brings you to the understanding of what it brings you to, which is, which is basically that it's like, let go of the distractions, you know, just let, let the universe take over here. Let your training take over, let your programming take over. You know, yeah. so that you can just be as successful as possible. Because isn't it interesting, John? I mean, I'm sure you would agree is that the mind is is the thing that gets in the way so yeah. much. Yeah. It's also what's so powerful. So it yes. not only gets in the way, you're absolutely right. It's both ends of the, it's both sides of the right. coin, right? It's a double-edged sword. And uh, uh, and that's, it, I feel really mm. actually blessed, you know, that no one taught me this ahead of time. You know, that it could have been past lives if you believe in that, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, of course. You know, but but there's there's there was something that was innate and natural, uh, at least flying the jets and, uh, uh, you know, at, at football at that high level, where you do learn that there's something, it's all about controlling, you know, the the, the heads, your thoughts, right? And of course, you got to yeah. have the physical strength and all. That's the difference why you right. made the NFL and um, I, I didn't. I played college ball, but, you know, I don't have the size or speed, but I had it up here. And I said, where right. can I take my, where can I take my, my skills and apply them in an environment? Well, it turns out that fighter aviation is really about focus. It's about yeah. preparation, oh, you know, yeah. and it's about learning. That's the key too. You know, it, it wasn't so much the pregame. The biggest aha that I have that I now look back on is what we called the debrief, right? Mm. It was, it was learning after every single flight, what went well, what we could do better, but it was even beyond that. It was, it was getting clarity and just getting one inch better, getting one little, one little thing better. And that, um, that skill has uh, has really the most effect on me post post flying. It makes so much sense. It resonates with me a lot. Um, it's so powerful to be able to watch yourself in action after you've done it to mm. be able to figure out how to get better. Now you talk about um, in your book. You talk about is it three hundred percent making three hundred percent improvements. Yeah. In, in about a, a 90 day period, that's, that was what was required. Right. Uh, and, and it blew me away. I, I'll tell you, you know, probably, I don't know what it felt like when you first made the NFL. Right. But, uh, you could maybe tell me, but when I first walked into the blue angel briefing room after being selected, um, and you know, at that point I had already flown jets off aircraft carriers. I'd been an instructor pilot, you know, flew in the movie top gun. I mean, I yeah, was, you yeah. know, I, I was at a certain level of, of, let's say expertise. And I walk into the blues after, you know, you get selected. That's a whole different process. Well, John, John, you don't, uh, the Blue Angels is, I mean, it's perhaps the most elite flying squad in the military, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, I, w- I would think so. I mean, just yeah. as far I mean, as we, what you... we like to have a nice little argument with Top Gun because yeah, the Top yeah, Gun sure, instructors sure. They, they like to think they're the best. Blue Angels right. say, but but here's the one thing: is is really we're all we're all brothers. But right. uh, the last three um, Blue Angel CEOs all were uh, Top Gun CEOs first, so we mm. say Top Gun's just a training ground for the Blue I, Angels. I love that. Just so people have an idea, like yeah. when you get into the Blue Angels, that's a whole other. That's the next echelon. Yeah. Uh, of of mastery so not to cut yeah. you off i just wanted to highlight that for anyone listening who who isn't totally familiar with you know the sort of just the the level of of skill yeah, like, required i like what you use the word mastery because I, I think it is it's a certain but it's not just a personal mastery right. uh it's a team mastery and, and that's that's the uniqueness of mm. it um you know, it's the old classic, uh, what Wooden used to say, I think, that the strength of the pack is the wolf and the strength of the wolf is the pack. I'm yes. not sure if that's Wooden. I think so. But I what was that. cool was that that what it felt like on on the Blues, and I'm sure on, on your teams, right, is you still had to, you had to raise your game, uh, but it was really about a team game because it mm. didn't matter if one, you know, if five of the six were flying at 18 inches and one person's flying at 20, that that's not, you're out of sync. You know, right. you, you got to get everybody in there. So back to that 300% improvement though, here, here's what blew me away is, uh, and this is an analogy for your audience. So, you know, uh, a civilian airline, they, they don't want you to get within a mile of another jet, right? And there's a good reason for that, right? Uh, and then in the blues or actually in, in the military, you do fly formation, but you typically keep it pretty wide apart. But fighter pilots, you know, we like to look good, right? So you come over the field, you tuck it in, you tuck it in about 10 feet, okay? Um, and why? Because it's hard. And on the Blue Angels, uh, and you do that pretty much straight and level. Blues say, no, we're actually going to start off at 36 inches, all right? And we're going to go upside down. We're going to do loops and rolls. And then here's the, here's the thing that really blows you away. We're going to get down to 18 inches. And, and I got to tell you that level of improvement, it's kind of like the preseason. You, you've got 90 days to go from basically 10 feet down to 18 inches as a team, as an organization. And that's over a 300% improvement in, in 90 days. And, and here's the cool part is that it's not that you're some great gifted uh, person. Uh, there's a process to it. We can, we can take people. Uh, we take about two people a year, and they, and they get that type of training, which is pretty intense. Oh, my God, John. So intense, man. So intense. Give people an idea of what's going on. Oh, yeah, man. I can't even imagine. Give people an idea of what's going on there, how fast these planes are moving. Yeah. Also... I mean, as the human being piloting this vehicle, the G-forces you're experiencing and what that's like while you're trying to maneuver this thing. Okay, G-forces. I love G-forces. So, you know, I flew Steve Largent in my backseat when I was number seven. Oh, I love that, man. Yeah, so, so I'm number seven, uh, which with my first year, which means you're the, the VIP pilot, the, uh, you know, mm. the narrator and you get to fly people in the backseat. I would have loved to flown you. I mean, we would have oh had a blast. Uh, but I flew, you know, Joe Montana. We flew Steve Largent. Let's see. No, John Elway. We, I got to fly a bunch of people in my backseat. And here's the cool part was the, the G forces, right? So what that is. It's, it's um, the way I can best describe it. It's like getting hit in football, right? Mm. You know, that first initial hit. Mm. But here's the difference on G-forces. It's not how many Gs you pull. It's how long you sustain them. Mm. 
That's what gets people. So when I do a loop in a jet, okay, that's about a 4G pull, right? So I'm bearing down, and and what's happening is the blood is the G forces, gravity is pulls the blood out of your head. So you know, you, you what you have to do is you got to bear down, you got to squeeze your legs, you squeeze your right. gut, and 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 you you tense up. But here's the thing: is you got to get your blood pressure up. So four Gs, that's enough to knock a lot of people out, right? Mm. But we in the Blue Angels, we pull seven and a half, eight, Good nine God. Gs, and you sustain this. I mean, it feels like the whole world's caving in on you. <laughs> but um, when when you roll out, man, I'm telling you, uh, it's fun. And you're it, doing that, and. So you talk about there's no G suit. There's no G suit in the blues. Now, so what that is, what's a G suit? It's um it looks like chaps. You know, you got a ranch uh-huh, in Montana, uh-huh. right? So so it looks like chaps, but what they are is they're actually um they're pretty tight. They 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 cinch them up and you get a hose and the hose comes out of it and it sticks into the airplane. The airplane mm. knows when it's pulling G's. You know, you've seen the astronauts walk around these yep. hoses and yep. stuff. Okay, the airplane knows when it when it's pulling G's and it pumps air into the G suit. And what mm. it does is it has bladders. So it squeezes your calves, it squeezes your thighs. It actually has a big bladder in your gut because that's where most most of the blood pools, right, in your gut. And it, it's like someone is punching you in the gut, right? <laughs> um, and and all it's doing is it's trying to um, push yes. to increase your blood pressure. Now, a G-suit will only give you about a G and a half extra. So mm. the real, the way you really fight G's is with your own body strength. Right. Uh, you know, we work down on weights every day. It's bearing down. It, it's it's using your isometric body strength. And so in the blues, we don't wear the G-suit. We're the only team that doesn't do that. Um, and, you know, it, again, it's, if you're trained and if you know when the G's coming on, um, you can you can handle it. Why? Uh, but yeah. Why do you guys not wear it? Well, okay. There's two reasons. Um, the official reason is, uh, and it's is that we with these G suits when they inflate, they're gonna they inflate, right? And on the Blue Angels, we have a spring that's on the um, on the stick, okay. And that's and the reason we have a spring, it's pulling it forward. So it's like you're holding about a 35 pound weight curl in your mm. arm, right? And, and what that does is it gives you more control of the jet and it also helps you when you're upside down instead of when you're upside down you'd have to push forward on the stick from hitting the ground and that's uh-huh. very uncomfortable right so instead you just have to ease you just have to ease out the back stick so the point is i would fly with my my elbow because there's no way you can hold a 35 pound right. weight out there for 40 minutes right, right? and uh, <laughs> so so i would balance my 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 um, elbow on my thigh mm. and you're actually just flying the jet with your wrist. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, so that's why we don't do it, but okay. That's, that's the official reason. Uh, the other reason is they just don't look cool, man. Right. You gotta look cool. Right. It's like we're in <laughs> sleeves in the cold when you're on the bears. That's it. That's it. Yeah. You're the- yeah, exactly. Dude. You can't wear that. Oh my God, John, that's insane. So you got I mean you guys have got to be in incredible shape. Like you've got to keep your physical body in in peak condition in order to to deal with that. Yeah, and you know what was cool? It was it was almost like being an athlete again yeah. where your body mattered. It wasn't like, oh, at the end of the day I need to get a workout in or no, it was part of our training right. regimen. And it was it was you know, we would all work out together as a team and it built the chemistry. And, uh, 
Yeah, it, absolutely. The physical, the strength um, was the key. Here's the other key is you don't want to be aerobically um, uh, key. You want to be physical weight strength. Mm. So one of the reasons is, uh, and you do, you know, you do run a little bit. I mean, I'd run like three miles every morning uh -huh. with my buddy, but it's, it's not about a marathon runner because that, that actually lowers your heart rate. Mm. And we want just the opposite. You want the ability to keep that blood pressure up. So we want those explosive weights, you know, you want to be boom, exploding. That's, that's what you want. Super yeah. interesting, man. God, it's crazy, John. Um, <laughs> you know what? Here's the funny thing. It's not crazy to me. Right. And, of course. And, I love that. Well, but here's, and, and, and I'm not saying it from an ego standpoint, it's, it gets to where that just becomes your new normal. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's true with anybody in life. And that's what I actually try to do. You know, I get the rare privilege to speak to organizations around the world. And, um, and what I'm really trying to show is that that elite performance has some fundamentals to it, like yeah. the preparation, the briefs and debriefs, the alignment of the team, the chemistry. Um, and you can get yourself into a state where you're, it becomes more normal to be abnormal. You know what I mean? Yes, and, totally. And, uh, and that feels good. It, 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 and that's where the glad beer comes in because having said all this, if you can't tie back to being grateful and being appreciative, that's where I think your real strength comes from. It's not lifting weights, yeah, right? Yeah. The real strength is coming from that alignment, that focus. Um, and that's why I, I do yoga every day. In fact, I just stood on my head right before our podcast. You know, that was, I that was tell. my way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could tell? I could tell <laughs> I you were juiced up, man. You were, you were ready to rock and roll. I, I could <laughs> totally tell you had all your energy. Your energy was super high and I love that, man. Um, I totally agree, John. I totally agree. I think it's so powerful. And um, yeah, and like you said, I mean, it's, it's, I'm in the middle of writing, writing my first book, The Ebb and Flow, Basic Tools to Transform Your Life. And there you go. at the end of the day, you know, I'm laying out some very basic practices and some very basic tools that everyone can apply to their life to enhance it or optimize it. But at the end of the day, to me, it's all about getting into alignment in yourself, mind, body, spirit. Just how do we get into total alignment? Because your heart, your heart knows everything that it needs to know for your life, for you, for where you're supposed to go, what the next step is, you know, the, your purpose, what energy you, you, uh, you know, what, what aligns with your energy vibration and all of that. And you know, it's not about what training style you choose. It's not about even if you choose to meditate or you don't or what foods you choose to eat. It's just about being completely present and being in a state of gratitude and total alignment with yourself and the universe. I mean, that's that's what it's all about, man, at the end of the day. Hey, I, I love that. And, and, you know, that's what I'm really really impressed with you is to see how you've grown from, you know, the, the football days and how you, you actually are using that, the mind, body, spirit, and how you're willing to talk about it, you know, uh, yeah. and I am too, you know, I, I actually yeah. in the, 
you know, when I first was in the military, I never, I never practiced that. You know, my wife is the one that actually exposed me to the idea of yoga, the idea of meditation. And since then, you know, we've been around the world, man. I've studied with some of the best teachers in the world and whether, you know, and you know, Wim Hof, I mean, you know, yeah, him too. Of course. And, and you know, I've been with him and, and the ice baths and, and you think about this, this is not fluffy stuff. No. And I think that that's what's cool about what you're doing and what you're showing people is that, you know, um, this is really powerful alignment and uh, it's hardcore if you want it to be. Absolutely, man. The glad to be here mindset, dude. I mean, that's the true warrior shit right there. Can you be glad to be here when shit's when it's totally chaos around you? When you're having a quote unquote bad day, I don't even know what a bad day is anymore, to be honest with you, because it's just today is today is today and things happen and life is difficult and life is challenging. And, you know, we only see our true our true colors and our truth when we're faced with adversity. We don't learn anything about ourselves when it's all going easy. I loved what you talk about in your book, too, John, about. You had you made a pretty critical error at one point early on in your career, and you learned a lot. I made a bunch of errors, man. Well, one uh, of the big ones, one of the big ones that you discussed when you fired the missile mistakenly, yeah. and I'd love yeah. for you to talk about that and what you realized coming out of that because I thought that yeah. was your realizations were profound to me, um, and it really transcends position, career place, environment, you know, exactly what you learned. I'd love for you to share that. Yeah. So we were, um, this is back in 1988. I was flying jets off the uh, Enterprise. We're over there in the Straits of Hormuz. You know, this is back when Iran was the issue, not so much Iraq. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is this is early on, right? And uh, and we were escorting the, the tankers through Iran, they were mining the straits and all that kind of stuff. And so we were getting ready to, uh, to retaliate and protect. Uh, and I was out on a practice uh, mission. I was going to lead a strike and you have ordnance, so bombs that you drop on, uh, on the smoke. And then we had, you know, live air to air missiles and we were uh, practicing. And I, I'm, I'm a guy that always says, and I believe that, you know, uh, practice like like you play, right? Uh, uh, game day is every day, right? So I had briefed the flight and we were going to drop our bombs and then switch to air to air. One of my, um, one of my teammates went down on the cat, meaning his jet broke, so he couldn't fly. So mm. there's three of us instead of four. We go out there and, uh, and we drop our ordinance. And then my wingman, a, a young guy comes up and he joins up on me and he says, Hey, Gucci, you, you got a hung bomb. Mm. And I look out there and I'm like, Oh, crap, man. I hate when that happens because sometimes the bombs, not often, it'll hang up on the jet and you can't land back on the carrier with a hung bomb. You got to jettison it because the, the carrier doesn't like that bombs bouncing around the flight deck, you know, <laughs> yeah, when, they, yeah. when you land, right? The, the, the guys are like, no, that's not a good thing. And, uh, and so jettisoning a bomb is, is no, they're not a normal procedure. But um, uh, what I did was instead of, we're in the middle of Indian Ocean, right? And I'm, I'm about to dogfight. So I just want to get this bomb off the airplane. I'm just going to puke it off the jet. And uh, I didn't break out my checklist. I just went from memory. And when I hit the, and you got to raise this red guarded switch. Okay. So this is a big deal, right? So you raise this red guarded switch that you normally aren't raising too much. And I, I go and I hit the emergency jettison button. And all of a sudden this, this, this sound goes and it's a missile comes flying off my Fuck. jet, a, a live heat seeking missile. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, shit. 
come back. You know, I'm like, this, this is not what I wanted to happen. Uh, fortunately, we're in the middle of the ocean. It, it, it didn't hit anything, right? Which is, which is good for me, yeah. good for whoever. Yeah. And uh, so now, uh, now I got to land the jet back on the carrier. And I do, because it's a big mistake. And, uh, and uh, basically, I call up the Enterprise and I say, hey, Enterprise, uh, Beef 301, you know, I just shot a missile. You know, they're like, what? You know, and uh, bottom line is I went right to my commanding officer and he said, what happened? I said, boss, you know, I blew it. I said, you know, I had a hung bomb. I was going through the emergency procedures. I didn't break out my checklist like I was supposed to. And when I raised the switch, what I'd done is I'd gotten some switchology mixed up, mm. right? But the bottom line is the, the you know, the mistake was my fault, mm. right? There's no doubt. And I just, I just said, you know, it's my mistake. He goes, okay, thanks for telling me you're grounded, mm. you know, and grounded and pilot don't go together, right? right. Um, and so for three days, <laughs> I remember you know, sitting there and uh, having to think about what just happened there. And initially, I thought the problem was, well, I didn't do my checklist, right? But that wasn't it. You know, what I really learned after spending days of contemplating what happened was that I actually had gotten complacent. Mm. I had gotten too complacent, in this case, carrying live ordinance when you really shouldn't be. I mean, the first time you do that, the little hair stand up in the back of your neck. We had been doing it every day and it, it just became another thing, right? And, uh, and that ended up saving my life later on in life, right? Because, you know, what are we complacent about right now? Yeah. You know, all of us, human beings. I mean, what are, what are you complacent about? Um, you just take for granted that we shouldn't. You know, one simple thing is texting, you know, while driving. I, I try right. not to, but I, I still I still do sometimes. I, I got to be honest with you. And, and I, I need to stop that because, you know, that's the mistake mm. that, that, that'll kill you or, or hurt somebody else. And, uh, and I learned that. And uh, when I got interviewed for the Blue Angels, uh, one of my interview questions was, hey, do you ever make a, a dumb mistake in the airplane? And I, I looked at the guys and I said, what, are you kidding me? I mean, I've done a lot of stupid things in airplanes. And I told them that about, you know, shooting the missile and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they laughed and, and they ended up hiring me, Yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and I think the reason they hired me though, Evan, is not because of the mistake, it's because what we learned from right. it, right? And, uh, and that's my hope is that everybody, you know, learns from, from those things. I think that's, that's so that's so powerful on so many levels, John. First of all, that you were able to be honest with it, honest with your with your CEO about it, and you just could yeah. tell him like, "Hey, man, this is what I did. I messed up," and you took the consequences, and you really, you know, you did the work. You did the work that was necessary. I mean, of course you did, but uh, maybe not. Of course, you know, I don't know. There's a lot right. of people out there who'd spend a, a good amount of time in a victim mind, mind state that would be blaming the put pointing the finger at whatever thing they possibly could maybe even just got hung up on the, Hey, I didn't do my checklist, you know, big deal. Yep. I didn't do my checklist, but you took it that extra step and said, you know what, what really caused that what the checklist was really me not following the checklist completely was a was a symptom of my complacency that had yeah. that had been uh, sort of subconsciously or unconsciously created over the last however many weeks or months that I've been running this these these routes and complacency kills when you're in a high high intensity elite level situation complacency kills or gets people really hurt in football you know i mean if you're getting complacent in the pass protection as an offensive yeah. tackle 
and you say, you know what, I'm going to take this play off, or I've been, you know, blocking this guy, and then that's the play where he swims by you and destroys your quarterback for the fumble, the the fumble, <laughs> the sack fumble that gets picked up for a touchdown. That's a huge play in the game, you know. Yep. And uh, it's, I think it's just it transcends because in this day and age, so many people are walking around in a, in a state of complacency. You know, we've become complacent just about the human experience. You know, we're so there you go. we're so disillusioned with the the magic and the beauty and the the profundity of being a human. You know that we're just like we're we're taking it all for granted. You know, and us, I think especially in the West, maybe even especially in America at this stage, and it's really something that we need to become mindful of and acknowledge, and you know take accountability for I, I love where you're going you know I, I got one technique I'll share it with you yes, and, and please the people who are watching here is every morning when I wake up uh, I do what I call my glad to be or wake up so it's a mm. gratitude practice we can talk about that love but that. when I get out of bed here's what I do I actually get out of bed and I make sure my left foot hits the floor first mm. and when that happens it's just a trigger to me I tell myself today's not normal today's magical Today's awesome. And that's the little technique I have for what you are talking about here, because it is way too easy to take for granted just how just beautiful. Like I, I'm living here in Sun Valley. I don't, are you in, are you in uh, Montana? I'm, right in, I'm actually back home in, in Los Angeles now, but, okay. but yeah. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. Driving through totally, man. It's beautiful. And, yeah. And that's, I just want to re reedify because I didn't have this aha when I was younger. I wish I did. That's why right. I hope people can uh -huh. learn from this. Um, and that aha on complacency, you know, that took me some time. I had to, I had to quiet my mind and think about it. It didn't, it didn't just come to me, you know, it was like, wait a minute, there's a deeper cause here. And I love trying to figure out the deeper causes. I love that. Uh, John, I'd love to hear your, the glad to be here process. Um, Oh, yeah. but, but first, I think it would be really fun uh, for you to tell people how you got your, your call sign, Gucci. Because ah, that okay. really, and I'll tell you a story of why that resonated with me so much after you tell it. All right. I love it. Yeah. So call signs in the military, you don't get to pick them. And if you like them, they don't stick, right? <laughs> so, um, and all, all, you know, everybody wants a call sign. Um, yeah, it's so awesome. When you're young, what's that? It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and plus it's camaraderie. I yeah, mean, when you're, when you're with your buds, your teammates, you know, calling somebody Gucci or Hitman or, you know, the, or Thumper. Uh, but, but here's the, here's the thing that happened to me. So I'm young, I'm a, a new A7 pilot and uh, we're in Fallon, Nevada. Now Fallon, Nevada, the Navy actually has a base in the desert. All right. Wow. And that's where Top Gun is now. And we do a lot of training up there. And so we're up there uh, doing a mock war for, you know, a couple of weeks and we're flying every day and we, we get done with the, uh, the, 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 it was a Friday night. And one of the instructors said, Hey, let's go into Reno, you know, let's go party. Yeah. I'm like, cool. <laughs> so I show up in the uh, bachelor officer quarters, BOQ. And I had on, you know, I, I thought I was slick. I had a pad, about a thick, you know, some black pants, a black shirt. Here's what, what killed me, buddy. I had this thin black leather tie. Okay. <laughs> That wasn't even cool in the 80s, right? And, and my teammates, they're looking at me like, dude, who are you? You know, 
you are Gucci. And I'm like, no, don't tell me that, you know, because you want to be, like I said, Hitman or yeah. Viper or Iceman, yeah, you know? Exactly. I'm like, no. And, and it stuck, man. Once once those guys nailed me with that. Now, it didn't help that I was actually living on a sailboat and driving an Alfa Romeo at the time, too. But oh yeah, I got, I got I got stuck with it, and it's it's still there today. That's hilarious, man. I actually love the I love that name, Gucci. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> um, but for me, I, I laughed out loud when I read that story because my rookie year, <clears throat> it was our first preseason game and I was really feeling myself I was having a great training camp I was working my way into the starting right tackle position wow and uh I show up to the team hotel for our team meal our first preseason game and I have a suit on and I'm (laughs) I'm looking around and it's a really slick suit man too it's like one of my first ever totally (laughs) custom tailored suits And I'm looking around and every other guy is in like t-shirt, jeans, super casual. And I'm like, oh no, what did I do? And uh, every guy, every veteran is like, ooh, you really went and spent that money, didn't you, Ev? Uh, Didn't you, rookie? Like, I I didn't even have a name at that point. They were just calling me rookie still. Rookie. And uh, I sat down with my food, and I'm just taking it all. And, you know, even (laughs) even the guys I got drafted with, my rookie teammates were like, dude, why did you come in a suit, man, you know? You know, and I'm like, I'm a fucking professional, you know? I'm I'm, I'm an NFL football player now. And thank <laughs> God, Steve Weatherford, who was our punter at the time, I sit down at the table and one of our vet O-linemen's giving me shit. And Steve Weatherford goes, hey, man, look, my man's a professional. And kind of like broke ah. the ice for me and I could laugh about it. But I was so, ah. I was so horrified. I was like, look at what I did, man. I had to go and show how much how much money I've made in my first check of all, ever, ever being paid as a pro football player. So it was pretty funny. Ah, uh, I've been there too, you know, and that same story, all my buds had t-shirts yeah, on and jeans, you know, yeah, of course. And we're, we're just sticking out like sore yeah, thumbs, man. man. <laughs> yeah. You know, with the best of intentions, I was like, I want to look sharp. This is my first pre, this yeah. is my first pro football game, you know, for preseason. We didn't really do that. So it was pretty funny. Um, but John, I'd love to, before we get out of here, I'd love for you to give, I mean, maybe you already kind of gave the, the, the foundation of it, but I'd love for you to talk about the glad to be here process. And, uh, yeah. cause I think that's powerful and people would love that. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to share, you know, for me, uh, glad to be here means it's the combination of operational excellence with the mindset of gratitude and gratefulness. Mm. So I don't, I don't separate the two. Right. And uh, glad to be here is it's an ethos. It's a mindset. It's the way to look at the world. You know, when I talked about earlier that I believe the world's coming from us, not at us. It's because it's like you were saying to look out there like right now, I still got snow out on the mountains there. And I'm going, you know, I appreciate that. In fact, as soon as we're done, I'm going skiing. Right. And, And I'm sitting there going, you know, I appreciate those moments in life. So glad to be here is uh, appreciating what we have. I think it means the most, like you said earlier, 
when, when you're under struggles, when you're under challenges. You know, I think the times when I said glad to be on the team and it meant the most was, was when I had the hardest day, the hardest flight, you know, and, uh, and that's what it means, means to me today is a, a mindset of appreciation and gratitude. It's a mindset, though, of excellence. It's, uh, it's not taking things for granted and it's realizing that we can make an impact in other people's lives. So it's, it's pulling together that, that purpose. You know, I, I have a way of doing that where I wake up every morning and I do what I call my glad to be or wake up, which I just do. It's very simple. It's a gratitude practice. Uh, what am I grateful for in the present moment? Yes. Uh, what am I, then I go back and today was easy. You know, I, I said, first off, I woke up with my wife. I said, you know, how, how blessed am I to, to be here? Um, then I go back in my day and I say, what happened yesterday? Here's a nice little technique. Um, and I go back 24 hours and I say, what happened yesterday that I have something to be grateful for? And I think about other people. I think about things I got to do. You know, I just got to do a, a presentation to a pharmaceutical company of about 300 people. And I said, man, I appreciate what they're doing out there for the world. Now, here's the other key then. Then you go forward in your day. Mm. All right. And, and you think of others, not just yourself. And you came to mind. I mean, I was like, holy crap. Later on in the <laughs> afternoon, I'm going to get the rare privilege to be, be with Evan, man. And, and, and that's, that's just a privilege. And so uh, I will make sure when I go to bed tonight uh, that I actually think about this exchange that we just had. And uh, I'll put your face to the feeling that's in my heart. And it, it turns out that if we do this, Evan, you know this, but for everybody out there, you can actually change the way your brain is wired, you know, and uh, they've actually done studies that when you're in a grateful state of mind, it's the same area of your brain where perceptions come from. So how you perceive the world is, is very influenced by, by your state of mind. And when you're in a generous state of mind, uh, that's the area of your brain where self-esteem comes from and confidence comes from. So one of my mantras, Evan, is I, I live, I try to live uh, generous and grateful every single day because it, it changes the way the world is perceived. So that's, that's why I'm glad to be here. Very, very deeply, deeply glad. I love that, John. And something else you say is that it changes not only how you perceive the world, but how the world perceives you. Thank you. And that absolutely to me, that's so, and then that goes with what you're saying. The world comes from us, not at us. Deep man. I mean, that, that's a huge thing. I, I learned that from my Eastern studies, you know, yeah. in, in Buddhism and yoga. And you start to realize that the, you know, the seeds we plant, mm. uh, yeah. the good works we do come back to us. And, that's why I'm proud of you, man. Absolutely. You're planting some good, powerful seeds out there, buddy. Hey, man. Keep it going. <laughs> That's what I'm here to do, brother. Um, John, Greg asked me to ask you, how is Ruby doing? Oh, good call. You know, <laughs> so Ruby's our new dog. She's a, a Rhodesian Ridgeback. Oh, we just beautiful. rescued her. Yeah, we just rescued her like six weeks ago, and she's two years old. Uh, and so she's actually at the vet's because she's getting spades. We're, we're, um, so she's got that little surgery going on. And in fact, after I'm done uh, with a quick ski, we got to go pick her up. So that's my buddy. And by the way, Greg's call sign, next time you talk to him, it's sugar. Sugar, yeah. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I love you gotta that. You got to give him sugar, man. That's, that's who he is. I yeah. will, man. But thanks for asking. Absolutely. Yeah, Ruby, uh, yeah. I love she's that. A, We've got two dogs here ourselves. We've got Luna and Bear. And Luna is a German Shepherd Husky. And then Bear is a, a Malamute German Ooh. Shepherd. And he's, a, yeah. he's, 
He's a little beast, man, and I'm actually taking him to get neutered on Thursday. So, are you? yeah, God bless him, and I mean, yeah. my dogs are. I've I've a daughter, a human daughter, and then two two other babies that you know they mean the world to me, man. And they're. Oh, I know. I can I can see you with Bear. For some reason, I look at you and yeah. I just picture Bear, man. Bear and you gotta have a pretty interesting. <laughs> oh uh, my God! He's uh yeah, he's my little guy. It's all women in here, but but him and me. Yeah. So it's you know it's good. It's good to have the masculine energy to balance out all the feminine going on in this house. Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. Uh, John, man, it's been so good. I appreciate you so Thank much. Your energy, everybody out there, be sure to check out his book, Fearless Success. It's fantastic. I'll have all that in the show notes. John, if you want to let everybody know before we, we get out of here where they can find you, where they can follow you, check you out, maybe even hire you for a speaking gig if they work for a company, you never know who's listening, uh, let them know. Yeah, well, it's all about giving back. So um, one thing we do is uh, I, I put out a, a video every week. It's a just two to three minute short impact video. If you want to sign up for those, just go to my website. It's called John Foley Inc. John Foley Inc.com. I think you scroll down just a little bit and they call high impact videos. Uh, they're really, you know, actually I put a lot of effort into those and it's, it's helping a lot of people. Um, so that that's probably the best way. Uh, of course, you can follow us on social, you know, Instagram. Actually, our Instagram handle is glad to be here. And, and that's that. my goal is to get that brand out there. Um, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the other thing is we got a podcast. You're going to be on it on Friday, brother. I yeah. can't wait. Called Stoke. the high performance zone. Yeah. Awesome. So the big thing is, you know, I just want people to, to stay connected with you. You're, you're making such a difference and uh, I feel honored. I'm deeply honored that you would have me on your show and, and thanks for the, uh, uh, the conversation, man. You touched me in my heart, not just my head. So likewise, glad to be John. Here, buddy. thank you, my brother. Uh, well, all right, everybody. I hope you guys got as much out of that as I did. I greatly appreciate your support and your listenership. Check out John. He's doing some great work. Glad to be here. Powerful stuff. The Blue Angels, Ambassadors of Goodwill. Super powerful. Has inspired me since probably I was about eight years old. Lots of love to all you guys out there, and I'll see you all on the flip side. Peace.